All right, come on in, everybody. Welcome back to The Holler. Justin here, tnholler.com is where you can find us at the TN Holler on Twitter and Facebook. Holler and all across Tennessee. Thanks to your support. Really do appreciate it. Your small dollar monthly donations are what keep us going. So thank you for that. Four years and counting. Also a big shout out to Elisa Parker. If you're buying or selling a home in Middle Tennessee, do it through her. She's supportive of us. If you need a lawyer, Abby Rubenfeld is awesome. So today we want to talk about something focused on Florida, but it has relevance to Tennessee. Multiple bills focused on whitewashing history. We had an anti-CRT bill here, quote unquote, divisive concept bill here. And now that Governor Lee has been sworn in for a second term, I'm sure we'll see more of it. But one of the articles that caught my eye was by our guest here today, Dr. Jason Nichols, who wrote in Newsweek that Ron DeSantis is banning black studies in schools and it's disgraceful. So I wanted Jason or Dr. Nichols, what, what am I calling you today? You can call me Jason. All right. What I wanted Jason to talk to us about today is, you know, what's in that bill. He wrote about it really well, and I thought he had some great perspective on it. So, Jason, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's it's good to be here. I'm a fan of your work. Appreciate that very much, man. Really means a lot. What motivated you to write that article in Newsweek? African-American studies has been a serious part of my life, even before I knew it was African-American studies. You know, understanding the conditions that I saw my friends and family living under a history and culture and sociology and anthropology. Black people in America has always been um, something that I've been interested in. Having gone through the education system, I was blessed to have parents that came out of the civil rights and black power era. So they had books lying around and they would give me the books and be like, you need to read the autobiography of Malcolm X, you know, when I was 13, or you need to read W.E.B. Du Bois. To see that there are students out there that want that opportunity to understand the conditions of African-Americans and by extension, the conditions of America itself, that being taken from them was really frustrating for me. And so I felt like it needed to be called out. We needed to, to stand up. And I think education is so important and critical thinking is so important. What we're seeing right now with book banning, trying to ban certain words, and a twisted form of history that we've seen taught for generations and generations, I think is really troubling. Harkens back to an era, what we did to Native Americans. I'm not putting it on that scale, but you know, trying to miseducate them out of understanding their own cultures, trying to give them this quote-unquote patriotic education without giving them the full context lying to children essentially that way. You're not doing good for the future. You're not making them better citizens. You're not making them better critical thinkers. And in African-American studies, we are never, it's a bad teacher if they tell you what to think. That's the first lecture I do. I'm not trying to tell you what to think. I'm going to give you information and let you come to your own conclusions. And that's what critical thinking is all about. We want you to come to your own conclusions. I have a six-year-old daughter. We started talking to her about the truth about our history pretty early on, and she can handle it. They're stronger than we think. What they said here was, it's inexplicably contrary to Florida law, quote unquote, significantly lacks educational value. To include a quote like that is a real slap in the face. No, to say that African-American studies lacks educational value, that's kind of taking things to a whole other level, isn't it? Absolutely. And no high school AP course is going to have CRT in it. So let me let me just make that clear. You're disrespecting young people when you make it seem like they can't hear certain concepts. We can't teach sex ed because, you know, if we teach them about pregnancy and where babies come from, they're going to want to have a baby. 
Right. No, it's the exact opposite, actually. We need to teach kids about communism and socialism and capitalism and totalitarianism. And CRT is just another academic framework, the law and race and power. That's all it is. Critical race theorists don't even agree on everything. But you can introduce kids to concepts. You're not brainwashing them the way, you know, the right tries to make it seem. Now, in terms of educational value, the the most important value, I think, in education beyond learning how to read and write and spell is critical thinking, problem solving, thinking through issues. That's what African-American studies does. It's, you know, a mixture of sociology, anthropology, economics, political science, and look at it from a, a different framework than you will probably get and get a little more depth than you're going to get in your American history or American studies course. It always seems like they're being viewed through the lens of whiteness, how they make white kids feel. You pointed out in your piece that it sort of ignores the children of color in our communities and what their perspectives are. Absolutely. Well, first of all, Florida is 15% black. You can't even talk about Florida history, can't talk about Tennessee history without talking about black folks. You can't talk about even freedom in this country and journalism. You know, you being a journalist, you can't talk about journalism and the work you do, whether you know it or not, is inspired by people like Ida B. Wells from your state. And the great work that she did informs the great work you do. And I think that young people have a right to learn those sorts of things. For so long, there was an effort to miseducate children on race. There are 75 Confederate monuments in the state of Florida. That was part of a miseducation campaign that also went along with lost cause history that was supposed to teach completely perverted history of the Civil War and of the Confederacy and try to make it seem noble. Vestiges of that still exist. He's not saying, hey, that was a way to miseducate people. We want to take that away. He's keeping that. He's keeping the fact that you have three Confederate holidays. And I'm sure, I don't know if you still, if you have them in Tennessee. Oh, but yeah. In Alabama and Mississippi, you still, you have King Lee Day. They couldn't even give Dr. King his own day. Throw Robert E. Lee in there with him, who, by the way, wasn't from Mississippi or Alabama. Ways to miseducate or draw false equivalencies. Students of color and children of color are left out. They don't see themselves reflected in the education. And that's damaging. If you don't know, if you don't see yourself, there's evidence that all students benefit from having a Black teacher in terms of the attitudes that they develop about their neighbors and their society. Now, seeing themselves reflected in the curriculum will have the very same effect. Ron DeSantis wants to take it out. And if young Black kids don't see themselves and brown kids don't see themselves reflected, they're not going to understand their place in America and, and where they actually fit. Absolutely. I think that's really well put. We have some legislators here in Tennessee. One is named William Lamberth and the other is Senator Jack Johnson. They're now carrying a bill to make Juneteenth a state holiday. Two white dudes who also helped make it essentially illegal for teachers to talk about the truth behind the lasting impacts of slavery and, you know, Juneteenth. So the cosmetic move to make it a, a state holiday somehow makes up for the fact that they're basically threatening teachers who talk about this stuff. And DeSantis really takes it to a whole other level. You wrote, using the word woke, a term created by Black people to refer to systemic justice and disregarding what Black people mean by it in order to ridicule it is anti-Black. They've sort of hijacked that word woke. That is the Stop Woke Act that he's using right. to essentially stop Black history. You know, irony at its finest that being woke, you are aware of injustices, overt and covert. And here he is trying to hide things <laughs> even more, hide knowledge, 
hide concepts. AP African-American studies is an elective. This is not even something that's required. You don't have to let your kid take the course. Some students are going to have this available and he's trying to take that from them unless they give them a perverted history. I don't think he's trying to ban black history. I think he's trying to pervert it, which is worse. We're going to pervert it and make it something that it really isn't to serve our purposes is worse. And we've seen this with Dr. King, the way they've destroyed Dr. King's legacy and made him about something that he wasn't about. You know, every kid knows two quotes, I have a dream and something about content of character. All of the other things about his democratic socialism, radical beliefs and his anti-poverty beliefs and his anti-militarism, all that goes out the window. Right. They have been able to make Dr. King into the Walmart version of Dr. King. Really dangerous. Even some of my right-wing colleagues, friends, I guess, I, I talk to them and I'm like, you should be outraged about this. All that ranting you did about free speech, you got happy when Elon Musk came on and now we're going to do free speech, but then you're with book banning and right. taking courses away and not giving students an option, really hypocrisy at its finest. Absolutely. Hypocrisy at its finest should be DeSantis's campaign slogan if he ever gets around to launching it. You mentioned the MLK quote, content of their character, not the color of their skin. We talked about colorblindness and we always hear from people who are against these courses, basically saying, oh, we, we don't see color, right? <laughs> and it seems like they're missing the point that it's not about not seeing color. Nobody's asking you to pretend we're all one person, we're all the same. It's about seeing each other's differences and loving each other, not in spite of those differences, for those differences. When you say, I don't see color, you're, first of all, you're lying because you do. It's just not honest. We need to see the color, see our differences and embrace those differences. So they seem to have completely missed the entire point of MLK's quote. Is that how you see it? Absolutely. I hope your audience sees my beautiful chocolate skin. You know, <laughs> like this is my, you know, I'm I see it. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing that we, you know, are a myriad of colors. The problem is not color recognition. It's the systemic denial of resources and opportunity. Who is being denied opportunity? Your colorblindness does not necessarily rid society of even individual discrimination. It's still there. The idea that Black people are held out of certain opportunities and advantages, there are always going to be white people who are held out of those same opportunities and advantages. This is why Dr. King went into sort of a dual struggle, race and class. He wanted yeah. to help those people in Eastern Tennessee who are in those trailer parks because they need help too. Reverend Barber, he's trying to do the poor people's movement. Absolutely. It's all a vestige of white supremacy. White supremacy actually ends up hurting a lot of white people. 100%. Jonathan Metzl's book is called Dying of Whiteness. For example, the root of not expanding Medicaid in Tennessee is an animosity towards Obama playing politics with people's lives, mostly white people that didn't get that Medicaid expansion benefit. Hundreds of thousands of Tennesseans, we've lost $24 billion, we're number one in medical bankruptcies and people are dying constantly as a result of that, even if they don't make that connection. Denying ourselves services because we are not binding together with a class struggle like you're talking about is really at the core of all of this. And these racial issues, these wedge issues are used to keep poor white people, low-income white people, low-income black people from coming together. And that is what 
the Poor People's Campaign is all about. That's what MLK fought for. That's ultimately what DeSantis, who is a billionaire funded, multiple Ivy League school educated elitist pretending to be a populist using these wedge issues ultimately. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm glad that you say that. Like some of these guys who who play like they're working class, J.D. Vance and other people right. who articulate these working class issues, but actually turn it against working class people. And I never understood Trump. How is it that you find Donald Trump as someone represents your struggle as a working right. class white person when this guy is a Manhattan elitist? Right. He would be caught dead in Eastern Tennessee. You know, a guy who poops in a gold toilet. Racism. And white supremacy has always been used to create these kinds of hierarchies to prevent real class struggles. The vast majority of white people never held people enslaved. Really, really small sliver of really elite people in the South who held people enslaved. But yet the narrative was you don't want black people to be free because then they're going to come for your job. 19, 17, 18, and 19. You don't want black people to have opportunities or join unions or anything because they're going to come for your job. A lot of times, even with, with within Black communities, we hear, yeah, you want to be against immigration. They're going to come for your job. This is the kind of narrative that was pushed by the elites on all of us. And these are the kinds of things that we talk about in, in African-American studies. Blame whitey. That's what they think you know, African-American studies is. Some Black dude in a suit tell white kids to hate themselves and tell black kids they should hate their neighbor. And that's the exact opposite of what we're saying in those kinds of courses. First of all, we don't tell them what to think. We let them formulate their own ideas. Oftentimes what comes out of a lot of courses is them seeing commonality, understanding their own privileges, and that's the black kids and the white kids, everyone else, but also understanding how race is oftentimes used to divide us in situations where we could come together. Wish you were my professor. It's important stuff. I, I think kids need to hear it, people seem to be presenting DeSantis as like a step in the right direction from Trump. And I feel like in a lot of ways, he's actually more troubling, more dangerous. Trump is obviously the most corrupt president we've ever had. DeSantis kind of willing to do anything and hurt whoever to gain power and political points. What do you think about the comparison being made between DeSantis and Trump? Well, I think DeSantis is equally dangerous, supremely ambitious. This isn't about public service. This is about Ron DeSantis becoming the president. I don't know that DeSantis has the charisma to deal with Trump. I saw him debate Andrew Gillum, smug, and and even with Charlie Crist. Yeah. He, he's smug and he's not charismatic. He's not particularly witty or anything like that. So it'll be interesting to see how he actually can hold up. I don't see any kind of difference between DeSantis and Trump. DeSantis is not about policy. He's about jumping onto culture war issues to get people riled up. These kind of political stunts, the migrant flights. Not only is that reminiscent of the reverse freedom rides, but it's also reminiscent of a lot of the political stunts that we've seen Southern, Southern governors do during segregation. So going back to Orville Faubus, when he had them prevent Little Rock Nine from going into Central High School, the whole thing was a political stunt because he was going to face a tough re-election and he needed the segregationist vote. Ross Barnett, 
And when he went personally down to block James Meredith from entering Old Miss, his political stunt, his political moment while the press is there, I'm going to stand there in front of the door of the registrar's office and you're not going to get in. I don't care what the president of the United States says. That was a political stunt. And this is the legacy that we're dealing with when we're talking about Ron DeSantis. And I think that's really, really dangerous for a country that needs real legislators with real ideas that are going to make it better for real people. Ron DeSantis is, is about ambition and stunts. And that's not going to take us anywhere as a country. At the end, you said African-American studies does not tell students what to think. It allows them to come to their own conclusions. Perhaps that's what DeSantis fears. And then you said, he's been trying to tell us who he is. It's time we believe him. So I thought that was a powerful close. People should follow you at Dr. Jason Nichols on Twitter. He's a lecturer in the African-American studies department at University of Maryland College Park. Longtime editor-in-chief of Words, Beats, and Life, the global journal of hip-hop culture, which I'm assuming means you're a Tribe Called Quest fan. That's my shit. And I like Ball and G. So all you Tennessee people out there, uh, okay. Paul and MJG. Oh, A Paul and MJG. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you coming on here. Let's keep in touch. Absolutely. Anytime. I'm MJG, the rapper with the versatile style. Check your calendar, realize that I've been here for a while. When I was young, I took the soul about a rhythm and blues. When hip hop originated, slowly paid my dues. He take my shoes and try to walk a mile in my past without them self-shaking.